Welcome to A Look Ahead. We're delighted you decided to join us. We study the Sabbath School lessons as prepared by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this particular series is entitled, The Promise, God's Everlasting Covenant. That sounds like a long, long-term promise, doesn't it? And this is lesson number nine in that series called, The Covenant Sign. I wonder if it could be called the sign of the covenant. Well, we'll find out. This is a lesson from May 29 of 2021. And as usual, we'd like to begin with a word of prayer. Oh, wonderful Father, we have gathered to talk about you, to think about these issues, the covenants, your promises to us. May we take your, your, your promises and your words very seriously. May we understand what they mean and how we can become more like you by following their advice is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Jim, how are we going to start out? The Seventh-day Sabbath is like a nail that thwack with unbroken regularity returns to us each week to the foundation of all that we are or could be. We are so busy running to and fro, spending money, making money, going here, going there, going everywhere, and then thwack, Sabbath comes and reattaches to our found, excuse me, reattaches us to our foundation, the starting point of everything that follows. Because everything that is anything to us becomes that only because God created it and us to begin with. With unceasing regularity and with no exceptions, the Sabbath silently hurls over the horizon and into every crack and cranny of our lives. It reminds us that every crack and cranny belongs to our Maker, and one, the one who made me, the one who put us there, and excuse me, the one who, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth, an act that remains the irrefutable foundation of all Christian belief, belief, and of which the seventh day Sabbath whack is about. Excuse me, is the irrefutable, unobtrusive and ye- unyielding sign, Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for Sabbath. Now, we had a lot, of, say a, that? a lot of fun words in that yeah. introduction, didn't we? How many times they say thwack? Yeah. <laughs> when was the Sabbath created? I'm sure you out there have a pretty good idea. Do we have evidence that the Sabbath was in existence before the days of Israel at Sinai, because often when we talk about the Sabbath, we turn to the Ten Commandments. Those were given to Israel at Sinai, after, just immediately or very, almost immediately after their exodus from Egypt. So what is special about the Sabbath that makes it a covenant sign? A covenant, that would be a promise, a contract, an agreement. What about the Sabbath as a covenant sign? Why do you think God chose a moment in time as his sign or seal instead of a place or thing? Now there's a question we can think about. Why did God choose a moment in time? One thing about it, you can't put your hands around time. Okay. You can't move it? No. If it was a place or a thing, we would set up idols we would set it up as an idol. People would set it up as an idol and worship it at that site instead of worshiping the Creator, the God. Yeah, and you can't you can't make it bigger. You can't make it smaller. You can't you can't make an image to it. What what would an image be of time to time? 
Well, if one believes the scriptures, and of course, yeah. Actually, I think you can make it smaller. If you don't, ha- if you don't worship God on that whole day, you make well, it I smaller see, in time. You can, you can treat it as if it's smaller. You can't really change it. You can effectively change it yes, for okay. you. So if you believe the scriptures, it is very clear that the Sabbath was made at creation. Carrie? I'm speaking from chapter 2 of Genesis and verses 2 to 3. God finished what he had been doing and stopped working. He blessed the seventh day and set it apart as a special day because by that day he had completed his creation and stopped working. came from the American Bible Society. Exodus 20, verse 11. In six days I, the Lord, made the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day I rested. That is why I, the Lord, blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Again, the Good News Bible. Well, in Hebrew, the word for rest, Shabbat, is closely related to the noun Sabbath, or Hebrew Shabbat, with, I don't know how you pronounce one B different than two Bs, but the Sabbath was first identified as the seventh day in Exodus 16, 26 and 29. We'll look at that in a moment. But we should have been able to conclude that earlier from Genesis 2-2, which we just read above. So, Gordon? From Good News Bible, Exodus 16, 26 and 29, Moses said to the people, You must gather food for six days, but on the seventh day, the day of rest, there will be none, that is, no manna. Remember that I, the Lord, have given you a day of rest, and that is why on the sixth day I will always give you enough food for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day and not leave his home. Again? And then again, Genesis 2.2. By the seventh day, God finished what he had been doing and stopped working. Okay. So the word Sabbath, here's a comment from... uh, the Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible. The word Sabbath is not employed in Genesis 2, 2, or 3, and 3, but it is certain that the author meant to assert that God blessed and hallowed the seventh day as the Sabbath. Now, um, I, I want to make it clear here, and I think this is a fair thing to do, that our Bible study guide authors when possible, when they can find a good quotation from a source that's not from within our church, feel like it's good to quote that, and we'll see several in this lesson, supporting the idea that the seventh day is a Sabbath. So, I'm I'm not opposed to that, even though there's sometimes we can get better quotations from places like Ellen White and so forth, it's not bad to quote people who are not Adventists from time to time, when they support our ideas. So God through Moses claimed that he created the Sabbath as a memorial of creation. Does that give him the right to claim the Sabbath as his day? Myra? Mark two twenty seven and 28. And Jesus concluded the Sabbath was made for the good of human beings. They were not made for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Good news, Bible. Now I... You can't tell it so easily in in the Greek, but in the Hebrew, son of man means a human being. So this particular human being 
is Lord even of the Sabbath, is what Jesus is saying. They understood perfectly well, because he was not speaking Greek, he was speaking Aramaic. What he said, and so... He was referring to himself. Yes, yeah. This human being, he was referring to himself as a human being. So uh, that was quite a claim. Well, did God get tired by doing what he did on creation week? Is that why he, quote, rested? Although some commentators have suggested that God needed a physical rest after creation, the true purpose of God in resting was to provide a divine example for humanity. Humankind also is to work for six days and then to rest on the seventh-day Sabbath. The theologian Karl Barth suggested that God's resting, and if you can quote Karl Barth in Monk Theologians, boy, you are really up there somewhere. Karl Barth suggested that God's resting at the end of creation was a part of the covenant of grace, God's promise of grace, in which humankind was invited to rest with him to participate in God's rest in his book entitled Church Dogmatics, printed in Edinburgh. I have a question. Mm -hmm. How do we know that God rested there to provide, what it says, provide a divine example for humanity? I mean, it's great for us to say that, but how do we know that? Well, that's a good question. Uh, Jesus said, "Sabbath was not made, and um, not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man." Um, but going way back in the beginning, God rested and he invited Adam and Eve to rest. I guess that would be our the original idea there. Um, and we can look back to the Exodus 16 thing that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, It's a claim, and they don't give direct Bible support here. No. It it may be true, but... Yeah. I see it mentioned Edinburgh, Scotland. If you look at the history of Christianity, as far as we're concerned, there was a lot of stuff went on there in early Scotland and England and, and, and even in Europe. We really don't know. There was, in the very, very early days, there were Christians who still faithfully kept the Sabbath, yes. moved, went to Ireland, and then they spread across the short distance to, to southern Scotland and, and in the Isles there in Scotland. We were able, a few years ago, to visit one of the original churches with some of the original stuff still there Brilliant. from one of those early churches, and they were, they were keeping the Sabbath. Yeah. Well, God sustains the entire universe every day and every minute. He does not get tired. He paused to celebrate what he had accomplished. And we should pause and rest to celebrate with him. Is that what it means to participate in God's rest? That sound like participating in God's rest? So what does the Sabbath mean to you? What special memories are associated with the Sabbath? My son, um, who grew up in Africa because we were still working out there, he always says the thing he remembers about the Sabbath is that was a time when father, that would be me, was home. And we did things together. Same here. Friday night was daddy night. Mm -hmm. One of the clearest evidences that the Sabbath was here before the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai is the story of Exodus 16. What happened in Exodus 16? You all must know that. Giving of the manna. Yeah. The children of Israel were given manna. And what does manna mean? What What is it? (laughs) That should be pronounced manna. Manna in Hebrew means what is it? And three clear evidences were given in that connection to support the keeping of the Sabbath. 
What are those three connections, Jim? Only a regular portion of manna could be used each day. But on the sixth day, a double portion was to be gathered. I'm going to interrupt there for a second. When you say only a regular portion of manna could be used each day, does that mean mom was only allowed to cook that much? Were there any leftovers? You just threw out the leftovers, you give them to the animals? Well, probably something like that, because he couldn't sit it over until next over. day, because it was, it was spoiled. It wasn't yeah. what they said. Okay, go ahead. No manna was given on the Sabbath. The portion needed for the Sabbath was preserved from the sixth day, unspoiled, while the manna could not keep on any other day. Okay, so that's a pretty convincing argument, I would say, wouldn't you? Even those who are not Seventh-day Adventists have recognized what this teaches us about the Sabbath. Carrie? In fact, the equation of the Sabbath with the seventh day, the statement that the Lord gave the Israelites the Sabbath, and the record that the people at God's command rested on the seventh day, all point unmistakably to the primeval, in brackets, at creation, institution of the Sabbath. And that's from... G.F. Waterman, Zondervan, Pictorial Encyclopedia. Okay, that's that same source again, and that's that's a non-Adventist, broad-based Christian organization. Um, and they say, right there, clearly, this is evidence that God was supporting the Sabbath. So, do the other churches, friends that go to other churches, not necessarily the church, but how do they explain to their members? Do, does, do the members not know these things? Yeah. In general, most members don't know. But if you go to a Catholic church, let's take them as the biggest Christian church, they will tell you, oh yeah, we know perfectly well that the Sabbath, the seventh day was a Sabbath from the beginning, but we as a church have the authority to change it and we change it to Sunday. Okay, we can explain the Catholic Church, but then if you go to the Baptist Church, how do they... ask that question. Well, no, I... I, I, I'm thinking about talking to, you know, friends that are Baptists or something other than Catholics. There are books available I I could show you that have quotations from almost every church that you've ever heard of that says, Seventh day is the Sabbath, da-da-da-da, in various ways. So do they put Sabbath as something that's not important? Is part of their Christianity? Yeah, that was kind of Luther's attitude. He said, yeah, the, the seventh day is a Sabbath, but, you know, we've been worshiping on Sunday all these days, so it's probably not that important. Okay. And of course, in the Catholic Catechism, revised some years ago, it says, Sunday is the day that follows the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So they, don't, they make no bones about it. In yeah. fact, they... Okay, so how many important points could we derived from the story of Exodus 16 regarding the Sabbath. Gordon? There's six points from the Adult Bible Study Guide from Monday. One, which day is the preparation day for the Sabbath? Two, which day of the week is the Sabbath? Three, where did the Sabbath come from? Four, what kind of day should the Sabbath be? Five, is the Sabbath a day of fasting? Well, of course it is, or is not. (laughs) <laughs> is not because it's actually a day it's a day of celebration instead of a it's day a of, day of celebration and you have already prepared your food the day before yeah and God gave, God gave double 
on Friday, so yeah. you have it on Sabbath. That's right. And number six, is the Sabbath a test of loyalty to God? Okay, well, that's an th- interesting idea. Interesting question. Covenant sign, what does covenant sign mean? What's the difference between a sign and a symbol? I'm not sure I fully understood when I read this earlier, yeah. but four times in Scripture, the Sabbath is designated as a sign, Exodus 31, 13 to 17, and 17, Ezekiel 20, 12, and verse 20. Uh, a sign is not a symbol in the sense of a thing that naturally typifies, represents, or recalls something else. Because both share similar qualities. For example, a symbol of the, of a fist often denotes might or power. In the Bible, the Sabbath is a sign functioned as an outward mark or object or condition intended to convey a distinctive message. Nothing in the sign itself particularly linked it to the covenant. The Sabbath was a covenant sign between me and you throughout your generations, Exodus thirty-one thirteen. Only because God said it was from the adult. Okay, guy. so what does that mean? Well, yeah. um, let's see if we can use an illustration. You drive, drive down the road and there's a sign up there that says Los Angeles, 25 miles, something like that. That sign is no way representative of Los Angeles. It just tells you that Los Angeles is up there 25 miles. So if you had a miniature sign of Los Angeles somehow or other, a miniature picture of Los Angeles, then maybe that would be more like a symbol because it, it it's, represents what's actually there. Um, uh, that's a, or maybe a picture a, of the Golden Gate yeah. Bridge or a picture of California when you're in Colorado or something yeah. of that sort. Yeah. So the last phrase there, only because God said it was. Does that make the Sabbath arbitrary? It sounds that way yeah. in this, in the Bible study guide. Yes, it does. I don't think it is. No. It's not. So explain, explain how it's not okay. for those who okay. Let, let's, may not let's, tune let's in think again about later. that. What would mean if it, there are some aspects of the Sabbath which are arbitrary? Theoretically, God could have chosen Tuesday or Friday or Sunday or some other day. He chose the seventh day, which we call the Sabbath. The fact that He chose that day as opposed to another day is relatively arbitrary. Or it would, it would sound in most people's mind that's a relatively arbitrary. It was the end of creation, though. So in that okay, sense, so arbitrary. yes, this is the point is, God finished what he had done, and then he rested. So it's a symbol of a completed work. The, the, the work is finished, the, the week is finished, the last day of the week, you have worked all week long, and this is, you, you, you did it. Whatever you're doing, that's, you did it, and this is your day to rest. So, that certainly makes sense as not a non-arbitrary reason why we were worship on the last day of the week. Well, then you got in Deuteronomy, you got it as a symbol or celebration, so to speak, of uh, freedom. Yeah, you, know, you were slaves in Egypt, and uh, and well, let me yeah, let me add to that. 
if you look carefully through the Bible, you'll find that three of the biggest things that happen in the Bible all are directly connected with the Sabbath. Creation, the Exodus, the crucifixion, and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they're all clearly linked in the Bible with the seventh-day Sabbath in one way or another. By the way, back to the creation, hmm? it was man's second day was yeah. the Sabbath, not his seventh. No. It was God's seventh day. God's seventh or day. Or creation's seventh day, but man's second. Well, almost his first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is special about the Sabbath that makes it very appropriate as a sign or symbol of our relationship with God? It's a day that you don't have to think about work. Yeah. You don't have to, unless you're a mother or a father of young children, you don't have preacher. you don't get a, or a preacher, you don't get that day off. Yeah. But it's a time when you have the, the freedom mm-hmm. to enjoy God. Yeah. Well, clearly the Sabbath is unique as a way of celebrating God. That's a, that's, that's a very big issue, I think. We cannot change it. I think it's good that it comes, and there it is. You don't have the, I, we can't, well, could you please delay the Sabbath for a couple hours while I get ready? You know, you don't have that option. We cannot move it, enlarge it, or diminish it. We talked about that. We can only accept it as God's gift to us. To try to change it is to destroy it. And another way, another aspect of that which is important in my mind is, I don't care if you're poor, whether you're homeless, whether you're a millionaire, whether you own the world. Sabbath comes, it lasts a certain period of time, and it goes. You don't have any control over it, no matter who you are. You, you know, you may be the boss or you may be the janitor, but the Sabbath comes and it goes at the same time for everybody. Genesis 2-3 two, three, Genesis two, three teaches us that God blessed the seventh day and set it apart. Thousands of years later, in Hebrews 4, 1 to 4, Paul talked about the fact that the children of Israel, despite God's working with them, did not enter into his rest. Now that seems strange. God invited them to enter their rest. Look at these verses. Hebrews 4, 1 to 4. Now, God has offered us the promise, we're talking about promises here, that we may receive that rest he spoke about. Let us take care then that none of you will be found to have failed to receive that promised rest. For we have heard of the good news, just as they did. They heard the message, but it did them no good, because when they heard it, they did not accept it with faith. I'm going to ask you what that means in a moment. We who believe have faith, then do receive that rest which God promised. It is just as he said, I was angry and made a solemn promise. They will never enter the land which where I would have given them rest. He said this even though his work had been finished from the time he created the world. For somewhere in the scriptures, this is said about the seventh day, God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And biblical scholars who um, study these things always smile when we we see this somewhere in Scripture. Um, but it made a lot of sense because yeah. they didn't have chapters and verses. Right. There were no chapters Paul and no verses. Had, didn't have that. He just said... Yeah, he, he had memorized yeah. the Old Testament, probably, in Hebrew. And you know what it says there? 
and only hopes that you know where it's found. <laughs> yeah, in Greek the word somewhere is poo, so we smile, and that's a poo text. Not it doesn't have anything to do with Winnie the Pooh. So in that passage it states they did not accept it with faith. What does it mean to accept the Sabbath with faith? Well, that's where I think the the story about the manna comes in. Those mm-hmm. that had faith on Friday evening, that they collected double. They wouldn't, you know, and if they didn't accept that and went out and tried to keep it extra on another day or get extra mm-hmm. on, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. So how many times did people go hungry on Sabbath? Maybe just once. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope they got that picture. But so let's let's really focus on what does it mean to accept the Sabbath with faith. If you take the word uh, faith and substitute, and I, assuming that it did it come from peace, uh, pistis in Greek. Okay? If that be the case, one of the first uh, definitions is uh, persuasion. Mm-hmm. So if they were per- persuaded of of the validity of the day and what it would have meant, then it was it all became natural. Yeah. You converts. Yeah. They accept it with faith and if you listen to some of, uh, what is it, Manatha in Africa, there's different Bibles amongst some of those people and they convert across and, uh, but there's a lot of faith in that. Mm-hmm. How does one's life demonstrate the truth about our relationship to God which is another way of talking about faith. By the way, we keep the Sabbath. Is the Sabbath rest a time for us to stretch out in our beds and relax? We call that lay, lay activities, isn't it? Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> what does intend, what does God intend for us to do on the Sabbath? Well, who would be our best example? I think Jesus would. What did Jesus do on the Sabbath? God had some very stark words for the children of Israel as recorded in Exodus thirty-one twelve to 17. Jim? The Lord said to Moses, You yourself are to speak to the Israelites. You shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you that throughout your generations, given in order that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it shall be cut off from among the people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the seventh day shall be put to death. Therefore, the Israelites shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Holy Bible, RSV, 1989. Wow. Would that convince you to keep the Sabbath? So just for profaning or talking against the Sabbath, you're to be put to death? And, I mean, and working. I mean, that's the question. I Where do you read a story about what? picking up sticks on the Sabbath? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, why it would? Doesn't sound like a God that is loving. No, it doesn't. Want, yeah. a kind, friendly yeah. God. Yeah. It could certainly be interpreted that way. Yeah. Why would God assign a death penalty to those who broke the Sabbath? And I might add, if you go carefully through the books from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you will find that there's a death penalty associated with every one of the Ten Commandments except... Number ten. Number ten. Why? Because it's up here. Because coveting happens only inside the head, and no one can find out, can tell for sure except you whether or not you're coveting. So it'd be a little hard to accuse somebody of breaking it. You, you can't really. So that's the only one of the you ten. You can accuse someone, but you can't. You could it's accuse very them. Hard I mean, to prove. Yeah, to prove. Wow. So what did God expect to happen to them? Look at the story of one man who broke the Sabbath. Numbers 15. Kerry? I'll be quoting verses 32 through 36. Once while the Israelites were still in the wilderness, a man was found gathering firewood on the Sabbath. He was taken to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community and was put under guard because it was not clear what should be done with him. I'm going to interrupt for a second. If you read this story in uh, Patriarchs and Prophets, she says, if I'm not mistaken, I should have gone back and checked it, this week to make absolutely sure. It was my understanding that his father was not an Israelite, but his mother was. And I guess maybe he felt like that didn't put him quite so necessary to do all the rules. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So what was not clear what to do with him when it had been <laughs> clearly stated he should be put to death? Yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must be put to death. The whole community is to stone him to death outside the camp. So the whole community took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord had commanded. That came from the Good News Bible. It sounds like good news, doesn't it? (laughs) It Amen. Depends which end of the thing you're on. Okay, well, so think about this. God did not only said this person is to to die. God could have zapped him. It would have, you know, that would have taken care of it. But he told them to take him outside and stone him. All of them were supposed to get together, stone him. Why would God do that? Well, it should be something you wouldn't forget in a hurry. I hope it would be something you wouldn't forget. Pummelment to submission. Yeah. I'd rather not forget uh, some lightning coming down next to me, Yeah, getting him. But uh, I don't like the idea of stoning someone. Yeah. Well, or shooting them uh, w- w- in our day. What if, what if one of our churches did that to one or two church members when they broke the Sabbath? Would that rest of us start taking the Sabbath more seriously? Not today. No. No. <laughs> Not today. You don't think so? The passage in Exodus thirty-one suggests a couple of special ideas. The Sabbath is a time for us to know and to be known. It is also a time for our sanctification. Time for us to be set apart from all others in the world. The Sabbath is a recognition of our special relationship with God. Gordon? From the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for Wednesday. Consider the sign aspect related to knowledge. The Hebrew understanding of knowledge includes intellectual, relational, and emotional aspects. 
quote, to know, and quote, did not simply mean to know a fact, particularly when a person was involved. It also meant to have a meaningful relationship with the one known. Thus, the term to know the Lord meant to be in a right relationship with him, to serve him, that's from First Chronicles 28.9, to fear him, Isaiah 11.2, to believe him, Isaiah 43.10, to trust him and seek him, Psalms 9.10, and to call on his name, Jeremiah 10.25. Okay. To believe and to trust him, those are actually the same word in the original language. Well, there's another place we could go to learn about what it means to know somebody. Before we get to that, okay. I, I googled this afternoon the the term to know someone. Oh, and one of the first things that popped up was it doesn't give who it, who wrote it, but it says my two favorite definitions of it are to perceive or understand as fact or truth, and to understand from experience or attainment. If you know someone, you are you've experienced some things with them. Hmm. I thought that was a good way of... That's good. ...definition of that. Yeah. Going on, to know someone. Uh, Genesis 4, verse 1. Now a man knew his wife... Not Eve, a man. The a, man. The only one. The man. <laughs> now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Okay, that's from our New Revised Standard Version. Okay, so that's some kind of knowing, right? These passages help to round out and expand our understanding of what it means to know the Lord. Clearly, the passage in Genesis 4-1 implies a very close and intimate relationship between Adam and Eve. So what does it mean to sanctify someone? The word itself means to set aside for a special purpose. This this one over here is special. It's they're, they're different. They're not a part of the crowd. They're out there. So baptisms, yeah. A pastor being ordained, yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. Okay. To sanctify someone, Leviticus twenty verse eight: Obey my laws because I am the Lord and I make you holy. I set you apart. Deuteronomy 7, 6. Do this because you belong to the Lord, your God. From all the peoples on earth, he chose you to be his own special people. That should be pretty clear, right? So if we if we have a right relationship with God and he sanctifies us, what does that accomplish? Okay, you're all... I'm setting you aside. I'm making you special. So then what? Depends why you're being set aside. There's variations on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Who it is, where it is, age. If you were chosen especially by God, would you think that was special? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope so. Does our way of keeping the Sabbath clearly set us apart from our neighbors and the rest of the world? Or is our Sabbath just another weekend day? Tim, really long verse for you here. Yeah, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And if you look at an interlinear, remember the Sabbath day 
for keeping holy of him. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily you keeping the Sabbath day holy, it's to help you be set aside. So yeah. the, the, the interpretation by an interlinear. Yeah. What are the implications of the use of the word remember? Well, obviously, initially, it suggests that the Sabbath had been given earlier than the Sinai experience. In fact, it was given in connection with creation. So remember, it was given back then, we remember. But the word remember also, as a command, tells us to observe and keep the Sabbath on a weekly basis. Isaiah 66, 23 tells us that we will be keeping the Sabbath for the rest of eternity. Thus the Sabbath is to remind us of our relationship to the Lord. Past, creation, present, now through human history, and future in the kingdom to come. Just as a practical matter, how, or unless we're on this earth, the days are going to be different. Yes. They may spin a little slower or more rapid, it seems uh, it seems difficult. Well, this is going to be our future home. This is. Yes. But how about how about the time in between the second well, coming I'm and wondering, the third coming? I've wondered that many times. God doesn't talk about that. The time Ellen we're White in heaven. Doesn't talk about it. Hmm? Ellen White doesn't talk about Not it. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Well, she does say keep the Sabbath, but she doesn't specify exactly when, how, how long, how short. Or does it according to some other cycle? Uh, if if God is the light, the sun, and we're always with him, it's always day. Mm-hmm. Well, but if we're on this world, even though, even if light, God is the light of the world, we're still going to go around, and we're, the sun's going to still be out there, so there will be a time when, oh yeah, that's the daytime, and that's the nighttime. Again, that's when we're, that's after the third yeah, coming. How about, that. how about the time in between? Yeah. We don't know. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Okay, Isaiah six six twenty three. On every new moon festival and every Sabbath, people of every nation will come to worship me here in Jerusalem, says the Lord. There are many people who call themselves Christians who no longer believe in the creation story. Some call the first 11 chapters of Genesis a myth. Okay, here, before you look at the rest of that, what's a myth? According to these people, it's an example. It's a nice story that okay. teaches something. Okay, a nice story that teaches something, but not historically precise. Not That's right. Not accurate. It's there to, you know, like like a, a children's story or some kind of thing. Something that's handed down. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. So by this designation, they suggest that these are stories that might be useful for teaching and have important lessons in, in them, but are not meant to be factual. If, however, God did not create the world in that orderly sequence as suggested by those first chapters of Genesis, can we be sure that he's able to recreate us when he comes again? That's a big question. And I've, it's been stated a few times that way, and... Uh, People said, yeah, if he didn't create us in the beginning, how is he going to create us at the end? Yep. Okay, who's next here? So he did create us in the beginning. Yeah. By keeping his Sabbath holy, I think, Jim, you take that? By keeping his Sabbath holy, we are to show that we are his people. 
His word declares the Sabbath to be a sign by which to distinguish the commandment-keeping people. Those who keep the law of God will be one with him in the great controversy commenced in heaven between Satan and God. Ellen White, Notebook Leaflets. So, Ellen White was in the habit of getting up very, very early in the morning, sometimes at 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning, and she would she would receive a vision, and then she wanted to get it written down. And sometimes, it, you know, it would be something that wasn't appropriate to to, to write down right, I mean, to, to publicize right then. So she would make notes in this notebook leaflets. And so this is one of those things. She saw something in a vision or something, write it down because I don't want to forget it. Does the way we keep the Sabbath today make us a distinct people, decidedly separate from the world? Are there others who keep the Seventh-day Sabbath? Seventh-day Baptists, the Jews. Yeah. So we're not strictly, completely unique. Okay. Seventh-day Adventists around the world are known for the fact that they worship on Saturday. Is that enough to set us apart as God's chosen people? If that's all we're known for, we're not all that distinct, are we? No, I, I mean, I if it was just... more than that. Huh? I think there's more than that. Okay, what's the more? It's the relationship we have with God that is shown to others. Okay, so what does the Sabbath mean? What When we keep the Sabbath, what are we representing? We're representing that we believe that God created us in the beginning. Yeah. We believe that God, the first 11 chapters of Genesis are correct. We believe in Factually the flood. Factually correct. Factually correct. We believe in the story of the flood and that that's how that all happened. We believe in a relatively short history of the world and so forth. It's a whole package we believe that Jesus is the one who created us, and he's therefore also the one who can save us. That's all part of a package that is represented when we, we worship on the Sabbath. So I, I think it's, you know, you can, you can, other people say, well, yeah, I believe that part, I believe that part. Well, what are you really saying? Well, you don't have a package. Yeah. You can pick out a few things here and there, but it's not a package. And the Sabbath is a package. And, you know, there's many Sunday keepers, and not to throw aspersion on any of them, but often it's, okay, let's go to church in the morning and we'll watch the football game in the afternoon. Well, let's even go on Saturday evening so yeah. we can start watching early. Yes. Yeah. So the Sabbath is, you know, it's kind of being sort of pulled apart. The Sabbath, of course, is enshrined in the center of the Ten Commandments. Gary? The Ten Commandments define comprehensively and fundamentally the divine human and human-human relationships. The commandment at the center of the Decalogue is the Sabbath commandment. It identifies the Lord of the Sabbath in a special way and indicates his sphere of authority and ownership. Note these two aspects. One, the identity of the deity. Yahweh, Lord, who is the creator from Exodus 20.11, Exodus 31.17. And who hold, no, who 
thus holds a unique place to... Sorry. My, my computer just jumped on me. Uh, number two, the sphere of his ownership and authority, the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. Exodus 20.11. New, Bi- uh, New American Standard, Standard Bible. Standard Bible. Compare Exodus 31.17. In these two aspects, the Sabbath commandment has the characteristics that are typical of seals of international ancient Near Eastern Treaty doctrines, documents. These seals are typically in the center of the treaty documents and also contain, one, the identity of a deity, in quotes, usually a pagan god, and two, the sphere of ownership and authority, in brackets, usually a limited geographical area. This comes from the Sabbath School Bible Study Guide. So, I mean, when even today, if we put a stamp on something, what does that mean? Especially if it's a seal, you know, it's a legal document, and oh, you go yes. to you go to a person who has that seal, and they could say, "Yes, this has been yeah. this has been certified." What does it have to have on there? You got to have the name of the authority, and you got to have what is their authority, what jurisdiction do they do they think? So this is a standard thing, particularly. Uh, Gordon, you want to pick up there? Oh. These are some comments from the SDA, Ellen G. White comments from the SDA Bible Commentary that are quoted in the Bible Study Guide. The sanctification of the Spirit signalizes the difference between those who have the seal of God and those who keep a spurious rest day. When the test comes, it will be clearly shown what the mark of the beast is. It is the keeping of Sunday. God has designated the seventh day as his Sabbath. Okay, so what what are we talking about there? What what are the implications of that? If the day comes when there is an international law, even a national law that says you have to worship on Sunday, what happens to the Sabbath keepers? They come looking for them. Mm-hmm. We'll be breaking the law. Yes, and this we'll be breaking breaking the. The national law, but uh, keeping God's law. There's people and, in this country right now doing their best to get rid of Christianity, period. Yep. And that's going to have the same effect or worse. Yeah. Gordon, you want to read on? From Exodus thirty-one thirteen through 17, from... Uh, Hold on. Back King up. James Version. You, 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 you jumped over. Thus the distinction is drawn, I believe. Did you read that? That's that's later. Oh, I'm sorry. I dropped out that second reading of Exodus 3, but go ahead and read it. Okay. That's fine. Exodus thirty-one thirteen to 17. Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death, for whosoever doth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from the from among his people. This is obviously the King James Version. Yeah, Six it. days may work be done, but the seventh day but the seventh but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, 
holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Okay, Myra, maybe you can take that next paragraph. Okay. Thus the the distinction is drawn between the loyal and the disloyal. Those who desire to have the seal of God in their foreheads must keep the Sabbath of the Fourth Commandment. Ellen White, Review and Herald, April 23, 1901. Okay. When the time of trouble comes, the Bible speaks about what will distinguish between the true people of God and all others? Is it only that we worship on a different day? Leviticus 19.30 I hope not. I hope not. It must not be. No. Leviticus 19.30 Keep the Sabbath and honor the place where I am worshipped. I am the Lord. Oh, now there's something else been added here. Honor the place where I am worshipped. Why has God added that? In this verse, we see God comparing the Sabbath with the place where he is to be worshipped. What is the relationship between the sanctuary and the Sabbath? Both have been especially set aside as sacred places. The Sabbath goes beyond being a mere allotment of time. It is a promise of a rich and meaningful relationship with God. It is a day we set aside everything in our lives except God and take time to strengthen our relationship with him. Adult Teacher Sabbath School Bible Study Guide, and that's page 119. So what would what would happen to our church, for example, if everybody did that? Everybody in the church did that? Any idea? The Sabbath can be understood only if we consider its its genesis. The term rest in Genesis 2-3 derives from the Hebrew word, Hebrew verbal form, Shabbat, to repose, to celebrate. Ooh. Sorry. To celebrate, to cease, to desist from labor, to put to an end, to rest, to be completed, to keep Sabbath, to observe. Interestingly, this verb is linked to observing the weekly Shabbat, or Sabbath, Sabbath of sabbatical observance. Uh, read Leviticus 25.2. I can do that very quickly here. To give the following regulations to the people of Israel. When you enter the land that the Lord is giving you, you shall honor the Lord by not cultivating the land every seventh year. So, what is he telling us there? They were to set aside every seventh year, not just every seventh day, right? So there was a Sabbath year as well as a Sabbath day. What does this tell us about rest? What happens if you give your land rest? These days they call it fallow, but it's yes. the same thing. Yeah, most farmers do. Yeah, a lot of Wherever farmers do. Wherever you are, pretty much, worldwide. Yeah, the, the ones who can afford it. Yes. Yes. And if they can't afford it, they they get worse and worse. Yeah. The yes. land doesn't produce, or it produces less and less. Yeah. Some would suggest that since the Ten Commandments were first given at Mount Sinai, the Sabbath was not kept before that. We have already suggested that is not true. The law of God existed before the creation of man, or else Adam could not have sinned. 
Ellen White, Signs of the Times, March 14, 1878. So we're saying there must have been some kind of a law, otherwise you couldn't break it, right? Jesus himself claimed that he existed before Abraham, that he was also the Lord of the Sabbath. And I love that discussion between Jesus and the Sanhedrin in John 8. It's marvelous. But look at these particular passages. Carrie? Matthew twelve eight. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, from the Good News Bible. Mark chapter 2, verse 28. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, Good News Bible. John Chapter 8, verse 58, I am telling you the truth, Jesus replied, before Abraham was born, I am. And yet, I, I love that because in that chapter, if you look carefully, Jesus said twice before, I am. Yeah. And they, I don't know if any of them figured out it, that what he was claiming or not, and he said it again. Finally he says, Come on, you guys, you should know your scriptures better than that. Before Abraham was born, I am. Do you get it? Oh, I guess we need to stone you. <laughs> Tell them it's Yahweh, wasn't it? Yeah. Sabbath is the pause that refreshes. The pattern is six days and one day. Six days of work and one day of rest. Yahweh, the cosmic symphony conductor, orders his composition of six, seven time. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. Charles E. Bradford. African Connection. How many of you have had music that's in six, seven time. <laughs> but we have, we have a, a, a life that's our lives that are supposed to be in six, seven time. But we understand the concept. Yes. <laughs> Missiologists, we recognize the Hebraic consciousness among the African people. W. W. Oliphant, an African church leader in the early years of the 20th century, says that the Sabbath in Ethiopia has been kept from the days of Nimrod, about 2140 B.C. That is 700 years before the birth of Moses. Africans or Ethiopians have been Sabbath observers from the days of Nimrod, the son of Cush. Quoting from Charles Bradford's book, The Sabbath Roots, the African Connection. And quoted also in our Bible study guide. Consider this as we finish our study for today. The word remember was included because we need to say yes to the Lord of the Sabbath by making ourselves available to him. It means to acknowledge God's doing rather than trusting our own achievements. It means to stop worrying about our own wants and start thinking about the needs of others. It means forgetting self and selfish interests in order, like Mary, to honor to Christ as a special guest. From Samuel Bakioki's book, Divine Rest for Human Restlessness. And then, uh, anyway, God's law says that the Sabbath is to be kept holy and that on it we are to do, to do no work. The Hebrews took this command rather seriously. The Pharisees and other teachers of the law emphasized that to carry a burden was considered work. Okay, how much is a burden? A dried fig. To avoid misunderstandings, they were very specific about what a burden is. A burden was food equal in the weight to a dried fig. Enough wine for mixing in a goblet. Milk enough for one swallow. Honey enough to put upon a wound, etc., etc., and many definitions. When you think of the Sabbath, do you think of a lot of legalistic rules? Is that the main thing that distinguishes our seventh-day Sabbath? In ancient times, some other nations accused Israel of being lazy because they rested on the Sabbath. Is that a correct representation? 
Do people today recognize that when we keep the Sabbath, it is because of our relationship to God, or do they think we are just legalists? Is the Sabbath a time of intimate relationship with God, or just a joyful time? Is that a joyful time? Many people believe that setting aside a special day for worshiping God is a good idea. So why do we consider the Sabbath as being a very special time, something unique? Think of all the time and money that is spent by people in our day to relax or to unwind. In many cases, it seems to be a self-centered entertainment and amusement-centered life. Is our Sabbath primarily for the purpose of unwinding? What else are we supposed to be doing on the Sabbath? Well, let's look at this and think about it for a moment. Do our neighbors see us all worshiping on the Sabbath as a sign of our commitment to God? What did they think of us on, on, on what we do on the Sabbath? Does our way of keeping the Sabbath indicate any, indicate our relationship with Jesus Christ? Or just a ritualistic way of observing certain religious beliefs? Compare our way of keeping the Sabbath with the ways we know that Jesus kept the Sabbath. Do we need to make any changes in the way we keep the Sabbath? This lesson has focused especially on the Sabbath from the time it was created and as a symbol of that creation down through our time. And as we mentioned earlier, the Sabbath has been has been connected to the three major salvific or salvation stories in the Bible. Creation, the Exodus, and of course, the death, resting over the Sabbath, and then resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God says, please remember me by keeping your Sabbath, my Sabbath, holy. Let's pray. Our kind and wonderful Father, it's a great privilege to honor and glorify you. To think that as we worship on the Sabbath, we are in fact recognizing your divinity, your creative power, your ability to recreate us from our pitiful condition that we're in now to be restored to the condition that Adam and Eve were in the beginning. We look forward to that day when you come again and make that possible. And may our keeping of the Sabbath remind us of that each week as our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.